0: G'day legends and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight is Liam. How are you, Liam?
1: Aye, no bad, Jared, no bad. Uh, um, I've, uh, I seem to have survived what looks like the ongoing civil war between Belfast and Ivory Coast, according to Facebook anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. Idiots <laughs> don't have the slightest clue about their flags.
0: so um, That's why I put on our run sheet today, we're going to bring back Zombie Watch. So I'm sure, oh, yes. there's some, I'm sure there's some stuff there. So what we'd like the listeners, anyone there to do is um in the comments, we're also going to have a Q&A section later on. So if you've seen any funny memes or things that have happened over the last week or two of Rangers fans, put it in the comments so we can bring it up later on. And also if you've got any questions for, for myself or Liam, football related, you know, um, Australian Celtic fans, Japanese-based Celtic fans, you want to discuss about either of the tours, which we'll talk about later on, put in the comments as well and we'll get to them, have a bit of a chat. So, because you know, it's been a bit of a slow week. So what we'll do is we'll start off with the usual shout. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Celtic down under podcast. We'd really appreciate that. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, on Instagram. We've got our website, but that's going to be undergoing some changes soon. So, um, yeah, follow us on all the socials and uh, get around the Celtic Down Under boys. So, Liam, I'm going to jump straight into the first topic that I already touched on, Celtic to tour Japan in 2023. Hmm. First of all, what are your thoughts on that? And second of all, what's the media coverage if there has been any over there?
1: Well, um, not to put a downer on things, but there has been quite a big news story in Japan for the last couple of days that's grabbed all the headlines. Uh, um, you yeah. know, so that there's not been that much talk about the Celtic thing, actually. I, I only saw it when you sent me the, the Twitter link to it. But the, uh, the sources that are talking about it are dependable um so i believe that it is happening um but usually with these things in japan they don't actually announce the full details until maybe about four to six months before it's actually going to happen so if it's at the end of next season which is what i think what we're looking at um or the the start of the 2023-24 season um probably expect more firm details about fixtures and dates to come out maybe February, March next year, I would suggest.
0: Yeah, the talk is it's going to be this time next year because the league winner goes straight into the Champions League again in Scotland, mm. and if you come second, you don't start your Champions League qualifiers until August. So, yeah, it'll be about this time next year. So, Sid, in the comments, has got a nice ale on here for you, Liam. Has Liam got a spare room? For the tour. <laughs> so, yeah, well, everyone's not, mate.
1: Not at the moment, but hopefully by this time next year, I'll be set up in a new pad with the wife. So, uh, we might have a spare room.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think the boys from the podcast will call dibs before anyone else, mate. Or <laughs> your old man will come over <laughs> or something.
1: Uh, bear in mind, I'm still about two hours away from where the games are going to be played. So, uh, we're not going to know where I'm now is about. Uh, it's about ninety minutes by the the high speed bullet train from Tokyo, and then from Tokyo, you're about another hour to get to Yokohama on local trains.
0: Come so. on, Liam, you just ruined my comment. I was gonna say you said you are two hours, away. I was gonna be like, yeah, but that's like fourteen minutes or something like that on a uh, on a bullet train. <laughs> but then you had to go right. and put the fact in the way, so you know. Oh
1: dear, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> no, all good.
0: So, yeah, so the talk is that we we'll go and go over there. There's gonna be um two games, one against Marinos, the other one, um, the more and more you think about it, it'll probably be against Vissel Kobe because of the Kyogo factor, as long as we don't uh, sell him yeah. at the end of the season. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. But I actually wouldn't mind yeah. us playing now um, Kawasaki Frontale as well because I've seen them in the Asian Champions League and they're a club that's always up there and abouts at that level. So... Yeah, it'd be interesting. There's some good teams over there.
1: Yeah, I mean the um the Vissel Kobe one makes sense on a couple of levels because they have a, a heavy tie up with Barcelona through Rakuten, which is basically a Japanese Amazon. Um th- that company's got a major shareholding in both clubs. And uh what I uh, what I understand is that that would also be geographically a good thing because Kobe is in the Kansai area, which takes in like Osaka, Kyoto, Kobe, and um, and uh, that that area, whereas Yokohama is next door to Tokyo, which takes in the Kanto area. So that way, Celtic could cover two different like major population centres of Japan, which would right. you know. A lot, our, a lot more ticket sales.
0: So basically, for the everyman person who's done basic Japanese and doesn't live there, you've got where you're saying about Kobe, Osaka, all that down in Plain whistle Kobe. That's like the southern part of the main island, isn't it? And then yeah. Yokohama's uh, more the northern, northeastern side of the of the main island.
1: I, it's it's more a kind of a east and west thing rather than north and south because if you look at them on a map they're both pretty central sure they like. but they're a good couple hundred miles apart so yeah um that'll be interesting you know i mean yeah that, that that's i just think that if they were if celtic were looking to maximize their revenue having one game in the sort of osaka kobe kyoto area and one game in the yokohama tokyo area makes a lot of sense
0: yeah, I'd, I'd be keen to get over there. It's um, I've always said to the missus I want to go to Japan, but you know now there's a reason other than just to be the tourist. But uh, I mm. highly doubt, highly doubt it's going to happen because you know I'd rather get over to Scotland first. But um, how's the border situation at the moment? I hear they're not letting foreigners in at the moment.
1: That changed as of uh, about a month ago they they were previously only letting in 500 people a day um that went up to a thousand then went up to five thousand i think it's now sitting at ten thousand per day can enter um but that is gradually increasing as time goes on um i mean there's a new there's a new wave of of the virus outbreak in japan just now but the government have said there's not going to be any restrictions. So I think they're just getting on with it regardless. So um, by this time next year, things sh- I expect things will be back to normal by the time I'm going back to Scotland at Christmas. Um, so you know that will be six months on from then when these Celtic games are looking at happening. So yeah, I I really expect it will be back to normal by then, um, or pretty much back to normal. Um, What might happen is people who, for whatever reason, if you don't have two shots, you might have to do a PCR test before you fly out, but that's probably it. Um, You know, my my, my missus is in that position for medical reasons. She can't get fully vaccinated, so she's going to have to do PCR tests before we go to Scotland. But, you know, it's just that is what it is. Um, Fair enough.
0: Each person's got their own situation, and at the end of the day, it's no no one's business really what everyone's vaccine status is and medical all that sort of exactly. stuff. So for me, Aye. so for me, it's if the rules that are, these are what the rules are, then you know you got to play by them or work around them within whatever the regulations are by Japanese government. At the end of the day, so.
1: so yeah, I what say. what I would say is just that Japan usually is very kind of. They're very reasonable about these kind of things. So um, it's not like, for example, America, where, the, where you're going to have to be vaccinated. So don't, don't don't worry about that if you're not for whatever reason. Um, there will be a way for you to enter Japan and go to the Celtic games. You just might have to do a test or whatever, you know. That's uh, good to hear.
0: All right, All right, so we'll jump on to the pre-season games. So I'm just going to bring up the... The first one we had, so Celtic 7, SC, Wiener, Victoria, nil. Goals were scored by Johnny Kenny in the 10th minute, Rhea Hatada in the 13th, Mikey Johnson in the 17th, Johnny Kenny again in the 25th minute, Christopher Julian in the 43rd minute, James Forrest in the 44th, Rocco Varda in the 76th minute. So we'll go starting lineup was Harding goals, giddy Julian, Lawal, and Bernabe. McCarthy, Itaguchi, Hitate in the midfield. Forrest, Kenny, Johnson up front. Then subs was halftime Segris came on. I can't know how to say Dede or Dede, however you say. He came on the 60th for Julian. Mm. Ando came on in the 46th uh, minute as well. Shaw came on at the 60th for McCarthy. Summers has come on at half time. Barter come on at half time. A Yeti at half time. And Moffat in the sixty-seventh minute had to leave him to last for that the num- the minute number just because you know <laughs> how it is. So I'm not gonna do the old deep dive into these both these preseason games because you know, every player has a, is at different stages. Those who came back early because they weren't playing internationals, they're gonna be like a week ahead of the other guys. There's young guys coming up from the Colts who are getting their first, you know, preseason with the with the senior men's team. It's all different pathways. It's a it's different fitness levels, different programs, different pathways are happening from guys from the Colts up. For me, it's just exciting to see Celtic back playing. Uh what are your thoughts, Liam, so far? And particularly anything that jumped out at well, you from that game?
1: That- the, fun- the funny thing about that game um first of all it was an education because i thought Wiener victoria was a hooker who lived in hamburg but anyway um, <laughs> boom boom uh no um i uh um i it's good to see this kind of uh this kind of scenario because these are players who you know the, the majority of them are not going to be first team regulars this season let's be honest but getting a good look at them and seeing what they can do um, one thing that is that was immediate apparent to me, now granted this was a very, I think what second or third division team we were playing it was second quite division. a low level, second division yes. yeah, good time um,
0: second division
1: right, so it's the equivalent of playing a friendly against somebody like Falkirk or something in Scotland right yeah. Um, but you know you still got to go out and score the goals and for us to take seven off them with our second team essentially Um, you know, obviously Hatate and whatever are not second string players, but, um, you know, a a severely weakened team, let's put it that way. And we still scored seven goals. It was really good to see. And it was good to see the heart and the motivation from a lot of these guys who know they're not first picks, but they still want to go out there and show Ange what they can do. And that is a, That's a big difference, I think, on last pre-season. Whereas, you know, Ange was just in the door. And if I remember right, uh, Chris Iyer had already said, I'm off. He didn't even take part in pre-season. And there were three or four other players who it was quite obvious their hearts weren't in it. Um, But from what I saw, no passengers in the team now. You know, even guys who are nowhere near the first team are given it all when they go out on the park, and that is really good to see.
0: Yeah, you touched on everyone's showing what they can do and it's a good opportunity for them. And a couple of guys there that I wanted to point out from that game, only three players played the full 90. And mm. the guys that are very giddy, we signed this time last year, didn't really get a chance, went out on loan. So it's good for him to come back and play the full 90 and see what he can do. Julian played because the other guys are off. At different stages of it and everything, so it's good to get him fit so we can sell him anyway, but whatever. But Boson Lawwell, big raps on him coming out of the RB uh, team, and he he looked decent. He looks first-team ready physically. But then you've got um Itaguchi. Look, he come in, barely did anything. Of the four Japanese guys, he's the only one that we have a question mark on going into this season because we mm. barely saw him last year because of that injury he copped. Yeah. So... I think having guys like those guys that I touched on just then getting a bit of a run and then also Mikey Johnson playing 67 minutes, I'm throwing him in there because I want to get people in the comments to let me know your thoughts on Mikey Johnson so far in the in pre-season games because I know there's a lot of people out there that don't like him, but there's also a lot of people who think he doesn't get enough opportunity. So I want to get the feel of people in the comments. Let us know what your thoughts are on Mikey Johnson in pre-season as well. But yeah, for me, it's pre-season. You don't get too worried about it. The main thing is as long as you get through the game, everyone ticks their legs over, we play some football and we don't pick up injuries. That's the main thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Just to touch on the Mikey Johnson thing, um, I think he played well um, in what I saw of him. But... The problem Johnson has is the same problem as he had last season. I don't think he's a bad player. I just think every other option we have for his position is better than him at the moment.
0: We've got five five better options. Let's be honest here. Like, yeah, as wingers, you've got on the left wing, you've got Maeda, and you have got Jota ahead of him. Hmm. Then, if you were to play Maeda at striker, like you could play him there, you could play Jota out right. But then, why would you mm-hmm. do that? Because you can do that if you want. But then you've also got a barter there, so it mm-hmm. comes down to who's the four-string winger, who's the fifth-string winger, James Forrest or Mikey Johnson, because that's that's where you are in the in the squad. Right. And then there's still oh, and and bear, Mikey, bear bear in mind if we've far. got
1: Jack Marcus fit and we're playing him, Kyogo is probably going to have to play in one of the wings to accommodate him as well.
0: So potentially, yeah, you know, yeah. or he could play, in the, or Kyogo could play in the ten behind him.
1: Aye, that's a possibility. Yeah.
0: But then we get into the um, the next one against Rapid Vienna. So, three all draw. We score, they score. We score, they score. We score, they score. You know, a <laughs> game of tennis, pretty easy. So uh, O'Reilly yeah. scored in the ninth. Turnbull in the fifty-six. Kyogo in the sixty-fifth minute. Um, again, again, it was good to see. The, the main guys start to get a bit of, you know, like a few bigger names coming into the squad here. So I like the way they listed it on the Celtic website this time around. The first half team, second half team. So it was mm. like, so I can only see one player who played the whole, I think there's only one player there who played the whole 90 again, which was Uragiri. So first half mm. was Hart, Uragiri, Welsh, Cardavicus, Burnaby, McGregor, Hatade, O'Reilly, Jotta, Jackamakis, Maeda. Second half, Bain, Uriagiri, Julian, Taylor. Then you're Kyogo, Abada, Turnbull, McCarthy, Itaguchi, Forrest, Lowell. I was trying to figure out who the extra centre-back was. They left him till last, Lowell. So, mm. yeah, the only guy who played the full, full 90 minutes there was Uriagiri. Again, what were your thoughts on that one?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it did have a bit of a pinball element to it, the way the ball was going back and forth, but It was a a very entertaining game to watch just from a, you know, watching a game, a football point of view. And it was just, you know, like, you know, Celtic fans like us, we've been without regular football for, you know, what, six or seven weeks now. And it was like, oh, it's Saturday night. Let's watch the game. It was just really good to get back into that mode. And I think this was a... A better game than what you usually get with a lot of pre-season fare. Because, yes, the team was almost completely changed at halftime. And so was, I think, Rapid Vienna did pretty much the same thing with their team as well. But it was an entertaining game. Plenty of goals. Plenty of... Uh, <laughs> a couple of blunders for uh, for discussion as well. But we can put that down to pre-season jitters, I think. Um, yeah. No, I think it was just a really good entertaining game and better than you'll usually get from a preseason game. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the next few that game as long as we just step up, step up, step up in not just in difficulty but performance over the next few mm. next few preseason games, then results are irrelevant. It's about the performance and the way we go about it. But mm. looking at that, I'm like it was a decent quality game for our second practice game. Um, then you got tonight, you've got us versus Bannick on Saturday at Celtic Park against Blackburn Rovers. And then next Wednesday, we'll be talking, doing our next podcast, leading into the Arthur Borrach Cup and mm-hmm. of warsaw And then you've got Norwich City after that. So there's four more pre-season games. Each one of these, I think, is a bit of a step up. So it'll be good to see how it all plays out.
1: Yeah, I think particularly when we play the two English teams, um, looking back to what uh, what West Ham did to his pre-season last year, I mean, they, they completely took Celtic apart. Um, the teams we're playing this year are not of the same calibre of West Ham, but they're going to play a similar tempo of football. So, how well we do against them is going to be a sign of how far along we've come in pre-season. I think you know.
0: Yep, agree with that. And as you said, lock like West Ham was at a whole nother level compared to everyone we're playing this year. But you know, I'm not too worried. Norwich City, where are they? They're in the Premier League last year and got relegated, didn't they? Mm. So I, they're com- um, So they're coming down from the EPL level. Blackburn. Don't don't know what they've been up to too much recently, but you know they're still a, a big, yeah. big club in England. I
1: think you know, their they're championship fun. at the moment. I could be wrong. I, don't but think, they're, I think they're
0: championship. I think that's where they are. Yeah. But I'm just thinking in terms of the club. Like they're a big club. They've won the EPL twice. So mm. I know it was way back in the day, but still they're um, they're a decent club. League of Warsaw. That, That should be uh, interesting because of the club history plus the (laughs) old, um, you know, the Arthur Boric factor in that game. It'll be interesting to see if it's a friendly Uh. or not. I have my (laughs) doubts. And then we've got Maneke Strava tonight, and that's they've got like a 15,000-seat stadium. And um, apparently that's going to be a bit of a sellout, pretty fiery, because we're the big European team coming to play them. At their stadium over in the Czech Republic, as their celebration of their club's hundredth year. So, mm. we're their big preseason friendly. This is like their fifth preseason friendly or sixth preseason friendly, and we're only in game game three. So they're further along in their preseason, mm. and we're we're their big guests. So, as I said earlier, I'm not worried about the results. If if we get beat, whatever, it's preseason for us. But I don't want us to lose ever because we're Glasgow Celtic, no. and
1: that's what happens. no. But by the same token, I would say say to the uh, the viewers and the listeners don't get too upset if we do lose this game because, for the reasons you've just outlined, our opponents are going to be much more fired up and probably better prepared than we are. So you know, don't don't be too don't be too distressed if we don't win this game tonight. I hope we do, and I think we can. But you know, don't get too distressed if we don't.
0: I'm going to use that as a good segue. Don't be too distressed. Hmm. If, because we're not, because as Celtic fans, I don't want, I don't want every I don't want to see any, you know, tears being shed and, you know, people being all upset because next thing I want to talk about, we're not going to see Larson name on the back of a Celtic top again. No. Yeah. The, the, the rumors are Jordan Larson's agent reached out to Celtic to see if we're keen. And we've told him, yeah, no, thanks. So it's not happening. Um, at the end of the day, it's a two, it's a twofold thing for me. On the club front, fans doesn't want him, and he's not the sort of player that we we have or we need. I don't see us needing the strength in there, the positions he plays. So I'm not upset with that. For the player perspective of Jordan Larson, him coming to Celtic, as much as it, um, you know, you've got the king of kings. Would he be the prince of paradise or something like that? Who knows? But you know the pressure that he would be on from the moment he set foot in that changing room and in that stadium. I don't know. If he's he's been hit and miss at some of his other clubs, so it's would he would he be able to thrive in that environment? I have my doubts. So it's probably better that he's not coming at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, um, it's a difficult one because, but on the one hand, I think it's good because for this for the the sake of enhancing the team, it's good to see that Celtic as a as a commercial entity, if you want to say it, are actually putting the strength of the team ahead of the commercial potential. Because like you say, if we'd assigned Jordan Larson, shirt sales would have gone through the roof. Um, you know, the wee, the wee marketing guy at Celtic must be, <laughs> must be quite distressed just now that we didn't do it. But it's good to see that Ange has clearly had a look at him and said, "You know, decent player, but not what we need right now." And that is Jordan Larson for me. You know, he's he's not the player his dad is, but let's say ninety-five percent of players in world football will never get near Henrik Larson's level. Um, and uh, you know, I, I just worry that if uh, if he had come to Celtic, it would have been a Jordi Cruyff scenario you know, when he went to Manchester United. Great player in his own right, but nowhere near the level of his dad. And his career was kind of overshadowed by the fact that everyone kept comparing him to his dad, you know.
0: Jordy Croft was awesome in the original Football Manager. Let's be real here. But in <laughs> but in real life, come on now. Like, I'm sure yeah. i my age here, but mm. every season in Football Manager or in FIFA, I'd be buying mm. him straight away. Yeah. Him and Landon Donovan, they were the two guys that you could get on the cheap in those games and kick ass with. But yeah, I but, get your point.
1: Yeah, I remember in FIFA, there used to be a wee Malaysian striker called uh Superman that you could sign, but the, the commentator would say Superman, so it's quite, <laughs> quite funny to have Superman up front in your team. It's quite apt anyway, I've been
0: wearing Liam, quite apt. Well, <laughs> um.
1: Yeah. Right, but getting back, getting back to what I was saying, uh, it's uh, it's good to see Celtic taking a, a team decision as opposed to a, a financial decision because it was purely about finances. Jordan Larson would be a Celtic player now, whether Ange wanted him or not. Um, and Jonathan would
0: have had his number changed
1: to number nine, you can guarantee. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Um, no, I wish Jordan Larson well. And I saw, you know, I... Back when Scottish football and English football were in, a kind of shut down a couple of years ago. I watched quite a lot of Russian football because it was the only one of the few leagues that was still running. And I kind of started following Spartak Moscow just as a kind of a, a team that I liked. And uh, Larson looked good at that level. But Spartak Moscow are not, not the team they used to be. The Russian league is not what it used to be. And... I think Celtic would be a step up too far for him at this point in time. Um, you know, he's he's still fairly young, so he could go on to have a great career somewhere else. But, uh, no, I think it's, for the sake of his mental health and his future development, uh, I think it's better for him to go somewhere where he's not going to have the totally unrealistic expectation that's, that a lot of Celtic fans would have of him because of his name. Um, yeah. You know, playing in somewhere like Russia, where, you know, no disrespect, but Henrik Larsson probably is not the household name in Russia that he is in in Scotland or in Europe. Uh, so it allows Jordan to kind of fly under the radar a wee bit. Um, so it may be better for him to stay in one of the more obscure leagues, if you know what I mean.
0: Go sign at Red Star, you know. Go play in okay. the Balkans. Get cut sick down there for a few years and, you know, you'll be laughing. Aye. Aye. But anyway, speaking of um, player departures, you know, we're talking about someone who we hope is possibly linked with us. So Ismaili Osorio, on loan with the option to buy to FC Aruca in Portugal. I think that's good signing for him and I like the good chance for him to go play football. Decent standard. And also a good opportunity for us because, you know, he's still got a bit of time left on his contract so he could get some funds in at the end of that contract if they take up the option, so that's good. And if they don't, while he's played like assistant for 12 months, we'll be able to sell him because he's in the shop window. So he's better off being there playing than sitting at our bench, you know, not even – some games not even getting on the bench. Too old for the Colts. Makes sense. Happy with that departure. What what do you reckon,
1: Liam? I I totally agree. It's it's a it's a good it's a good move for all parties involved. Um this Portuguese team get a guy with a Europa League experience. Uh Celtic get a guy who is not realistically going to be part of the first team plans this season out and playing football and in the shop window. And Soro gets a chance to resurrect his career. So yeah, it's it's good all round.
0: And then on to the other departure, which was announced yesterday in the last twenty four hours. The ultimate shagger, Bolly Bollingolly. Part in the club on a permanent deal to KV Mecheland in Belgium. Bye bye Bolly. Uh-huh. That's why we named the pod that. Like guru, piss off. Off you go. Yeah. Not wanted. See you later.
1: Big thank you to whoever the anonymous Belgian bird is that seduced him. Thank you. <laughs> yep. So
0: I thought I'd bring up this list that Sean sent through to us in the group chat. So since the end of last season, here's a list of Celtic exits. Now, we all knew that it was going to be a lot different. So we're not going to bring in 16 players. We're going to bring in, we all thought, maybe five or six players, right? But it was about Mm -hmm. getting people off the books. So Karamoko's gone, Ross Doerr, Kerr McEnroy, Barkas on loan, Bolongoli, on Rogic, Sorrow, Connell, Henderson, Afalabi, Scales, Montgomery. On top of that, there's guys like Barry Coffey, and there's a bunch of guys from the Colts who got let go. So all up, there's about 17 or 18 players that have moved on from the club. Now, also it looks like um, Celtic is signing a new Eddie, for potentially looking at a new Eddie from PSG. Hmm. Now the guy's name is Edward Michut or Michat. He's um a midfielder for around two million pound. He's um okay. was apparently he's asked to play for their juniors and he said no, I want to play first team football, and looks like he's headed our way, potentially. Hmm. So we got him and we've got the rumour of the other Argentinian midfielder. So reason I brought them up is because we've got a question because it ties into the next thing which I said earlier on. We want to do some listener questions from the live stream and also put out a thing on Twitter before as well. So we've got some Twitter questions. So the unvarnished sent through a Twitter question how many more positions need to be filled this transfer window? Now for mm. me, two or three. We've got yeah. we, need an, we need a we need a we need a left sided centre back still, particularly if Julian moves on. Mm-hmm. I think we Julian's got to go out before we replace someone there. If a Yeti leaves, we need another guy who can play, potentially another guy there, but at the same time, who's gonna to want to come in at third striker when you've got Maeda who can play there, you've got a barter who can play some striker. And we've got options, so it'll be an interesting a weird one there. The key one at the moment is a defensive midfielder. So that's where we're being linked mm-hmm. with this guy, PSG, and also with um, the other Argentinian midfielder. What do you reckon, Liam? How many more players do you think we need?
1: Yeah, I would say, like you say, left-sided centre-back and uh, a midfield destroyer. Um... You know, not necessarily just a defensive midfielder, but very much a Scott Brown type. Um, we do at times lack that aggression in the midfield that we used to have. Um, and of course, you know, with Sorrow going out the door, that is one guy who could potentially have filled that role, but isn't going to. Um, one that I think might be interesting to watch in that role is potentially Idiguchi. Um, he, you know, he's not the biggest guy, obviously physically, but he can put a tackle in. And uh, if he was deployed as the kind of midfield enforcer for a gate for a you know a run of three or four games, I'd be interested to see what he could do. But as it stands right now, I agree with you that that's two positions we definitely need to reinforce. And if a jetty goes out rather than sign another striker because we've got too many of those already I think we should look for a kind of a, a Rogic type someone who's like an attacking midfielder but can also step up and play off the striker if need be now that's a very tricky position to recruit for but that would be a, to me that's a luxury rather than a necessity the left sided centre back and the midfield destroyer are necessities the new option for attack in midfield would be a luxury, in my opinion. Yep,
0: I agree with you. Next question we've got here. Okay. You won't be able to answer this, Liam, but I will. Nita Lacey has said, where can you buy Buckfast in Sydney? (laughs) Simple answer. It's a website you can go to called boozle.com.au, I think it is. And you type in, you go where you are, you type in where you are, what drink you're after, and it brings up a massive list of all the different bottlers and pubs and stuff that will have that. So that's how you can find Buckfast in Sydney, where you'd actually get it. Depends where you're staying, mate.
1: Uh, for those in Japan, um, Amazon does international shipping on it, but it's about 45 quid a bottle, so it's a question of how badly do you need it. <laughs> Okay,
0: serious question from Shane Beaton. Mm. If we play with a single 10, who gets the nod, Turnbull or O'Reilly? O'Reilly.
1: O'Reilly for me. Um, Shown more than Turnbull has in what we've seen of him in recent months. Plus, O'Reilly now has the motivation of potentially playing for a World Cup spot with Denmark. So I think we're going to see him step up even more next season. Uh, yeah, I like I like Turnbull, but if it's a straight if it's a straight choice between the two, O'Reilly's a better player, no question.
0: I'll throw another one at you. I said on a, a couple of weeks before the end of the season that I couldn't see both Turnbull and Rogic being at the club by the start of the season. Rogic has moved on. Hmm. I can't – like Turnbull played really well first half of the season last year, then he got hurt, right? Mm -hmm. So I understand Turnbull, but his problem is he's got to speed his game up. And Ange wants to go even faster. You look at guys we're signing, like Burnaby. He's just got a motor about him. So I'm looking at it going, if you've got him ducking up the wing, putting crosses in. His turn will gonna be that guy that he cuts the ball back to at the top of the box around the penalty spot to to bang it in. He could do that role, but I actually think it'll be O'Reilly because he brings more more movement and a bit more yeah. speed. So I think it'll be O'Reilly. However, early on in the pod I mentioned um, Kyogo possibly playing in the ten. So if you were to have Jack and Marcus as a striker with Kyogo playing behind him. In the ten, mm. and you've got the coach there to make it happen, because at Leeds and in the Australian national team, you had the big striker, Mark Viduka, and the guy in the ten playing off him behind him in Harry Kuehl, knew mm. better to learn that role from. Yeah, I could see Kyogo playing in that role as well.
1: Well, actually, just to add further intrigue, um, Maeda played that role on a number of times I saw him play for Matsumoto Yamaga. Was a secondary um, striker. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. He depending on who they were playing against, he would either play as a secondary striker or he would play as the the sort of uh, lone striker. Um and he would just be like wandering all across the front of the pitch and just chasing down every ball that he could. And that was where you saw his engine. But I think in Yamaga's case, certainly, he was much more effective when he had a, a big striker to play off of. So that's one to think about as well, you know.
0: Before we get into the next two the two other questions I got if you, if you watch it on the live stream if you got any questions as well you want to throw in put them in the comments send them through we're happy to discuss them as well it doesn't just because it's not on Twitter doesn't mean we're not going to discuss them so send through any questions if you've got them Shane also sent through a non-serious question mm. and it was who forgot to give Rapid the memo that it was a friendly
1: <laughs> there are no friendlies when Celtic play rapid. That's just, that's the rules. Facts.
0: 100% yeah. facts. That comment, Liam. I couldn't <laughs> have said it better myself. Uh, yeah. Connor Carr, I had him on our Tim Talk podcast a little while ago. He sent through a message saying, a question, how far away do you think Celtic are from winning another European trophy? I say in the next five years, we could have at least won the Conference League. What do you think, Liam?
1: No, based on the fact that the Huns came within one kick of winning it, winning a European trophy last season, and it was actually the second best of the three trophies available, um, if we go our current trajectory, I'll, I'll, I'll be more optimistic. I'll say within three years, we could reach a European final.
0: Yeah, I'd say we could be challenging, but I'm I'm going to go back to the old, the pragmatic thought that I've I've said in the past. Until we break we break that monkey, sorry, break the hoodoo and get that monkey off our back. I've got to make it the right way, so I don't sound you know, like an absolute idiot. But until we can get yes, rid we're of, we're not fishing, endorsing
1: animal abuse here, anybody. Don't go exactly. breaking any monkeys, please. That was why no. I stopped.
0: But no. if we can. Until that is done and we win that knockout phase after Christmas, then I'm not going to count me chickens before they hatch. Like, I want us to win, mm-hmm. I think, three years is achievable. You look at, um, what was it, Bodo Glimt, for instance, they were in year three or year four or something with their manager. Year four, mm-hmm. I think it was, in their process, and they came out of nowhere. You look at Rangers yeah. last season, they were in, like, year four. You put the Gerard years in plus that and that was year four of building a project. We tend to get two years in, sell our best player, get two year, another two years, sell our best players, sort of thing. Mm. So we can keep this squad together, and if one player moves on and then you replace them with similar or better quality and you're slowly upgrading while you've got the squad depth and everything, then fine. I reckon you mm. could give Europa League a fair crack, potentially win that yeah. other conference league. Within the next three to five years, but until we get through that, that, you know, get that hoodoo off our back, then I just don't, I just don't want to say that it's going to happen just yet. And I'm I half expect these yeah. to be clipped by Rangers fans and bouncing around their things soon enough. So, have fun with that.
1: <laughs> no, I mean the other thing is as well that um, with Harry Kewell coming into the coaching staff he is that bit younger than Ange, and I do wonder if that is a a continuity move for the future. Because, you know, we will hopefully have Ange for a good few years, but we're going to get to a point probably about four or five years where Ange is going to be hitting 60, and he's going to be thinking, right, maybe it's time to, you know, possibly take one last shot at managing Australia or something like that, you know, um, or maybe go to another big european club before he retires um and maybe harry kuhl has come in there to kind of serve an apprenticeship under him and hopefully continue the same style of play so we could be looking at the start of a dynasty here that could last for the next 10 years you know that would be that would be i don't th- i think that would be unprecedented in celtic's recent history to have that level of continuity. Um, and I really hope that is what we're putting in place just now because I like what we're doing. I, You know, Celtic now is possibly the most diverse squad we've ever had. Um, definitely the, uh, the, possibly the fittest squad we've ever had. And I think that's only going to improve as time goes on. And I hope, I hope Ange is with us for as long as he can be. But, you know, that's not going to be forever. And I hope that this is a sign that we're putting in place long-term planning to continue along the same track, even if Ange decides to head back to Australia at some point, you know?
0: Yeah, well, Ange has said in the past that he's over in Europe for the rest of his life, basically. So hmm. the rest of his career will be over in Europe. So and stay with us as long as he wants. And then, you know, if he wants to hang him up, then he can move upstairs. Director of football role, overseeing it with someone stepping up as you're saying, Harry Kuehl. Mm. There you go. Aussie Dynasty. Yeah. That'd be perfect.
1: Yeah, I'd be quite happy with that.
0: Now, on to the next topic, Liam, the last one for the episode. Alright. It's time, everyone. We gotta bring it back. It's Zombie Watch.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: now had to oh. it has to be done because of the stupidity going yes. on this time of the year. Mm. Did you see the video of that band walking along? Some bloke throws the garbage bin at him, and then they <sighs> jump yep. the fence and they throw a bin through a window, which wasn't even for his house. How good is that?
1: <laughs> uh, I love that. I loved the, the little kicker on the news report that said. The bin and the suspect have been detained.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw them putting the bin in the bag. Brilliant.
1: <laughs> oh, but I, am. I, um, I got one yesterday, which I don't know how old this is, because I'm sure I saw it before. But this was a uh, shout out to somebody on Twitter who sent this um, at the height of their, you know, their bonfires, or whatever. One of them who just has the The red hand flag of Ulster for his avatar. Ironically, his name's Craig Flanagan, which sounds quite, it doesn't quite sound that very Ulster to me, but there you go. Speaking about the Irish language, he says, I would rather die than speak a word of that foreign dead language. And a Celtic fan has replied, saying, You speak it every day, Craig. Your name is an Irish language construct. Also, your hometown means mouth of the Sandbank fort, referring to Belfast. Craig's reply, no, Belfast was named after King Billy's horse Belle, and she was fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's, it gets to a point where the stupidity is such that you really can't put a price on it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But-
0: I've got some that aren't actually about the the marches and stuff. I've got a couple right. that I've seen that are actually um, about, you know, the zombies over at Ibrox. Mm-hmm. So Dan McC- McCrosskey mm-hmm. has put up two players that have turned down Celtic to Rangers to join Rangers instead. Is to be expected. Welcome Tom and Rabbi. Okay. Yeah. Um, never even heard of... I've heard of Tom. <laughs> I've no idea who Rabbi is, right? No. So, that's part one. The second one, this is where I look, find out more about this Rabbi. Ranger's new boy, Rabbi Matondo, was clocked sprinting faster than Usain Bolt. What's that going to do
1: with the price of fish in China? Like, uh, seriously. Well, I don't you know think- who... On, on record, who Celtic's fastest ever player was? Chad Uri.
0: Oh, Doesn't surprise me.
1: Yeah. So, you know, no harm to Chad, Chad Uri, but not exactly a Celtic legend. So, uh, no, um, we can all run fast. It's how fast you run when you've got a ball at your feet is what actually matters, you know. <laughs>
0: and what you do with the ball, because you can be fast, but you can't, as long as you can't do anything. Look at Bole he's just left. He is quick. Uh... But when he get on the ball, what would he do? Dribble into trouble. So who cares? Uh, <laughs> I just saw those and thought those are just as stupid. Like yeah. anyone out there, you see anything on Twitter that you think you want brought up for zombie watch, get on there, share it, send me a, a DM to at Celtic down. So more of that we have, we can take the piss out of them. It's a good Ooh. thing. I want, want, to, want to be doing this as a regular stegman because – who doesn't mind having a laugh and taking the piss out of that mob?
1: On on a slight tangent, um, shout out to whoever it is and you know who you are, the person who updated Jota's Wikipedia page just after he signed for Celtic, officially. Um, so I'll just read you the paragraph here. Uh, Jal Pedro Neves Felipe, uh, born March 29 1999, is known as Jota, a Portuguese professional footballer. He plays as a winger for Celtic. All good so far. This is where it gets interesting. He is famous for having single-handedly stolen all of Seville's water supply during the 2022 Europa League final, causing Rangers fans to drink from toilet bowls.
0: <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
1: Yeah. Uh, like, um, yeah.
0: yeah. I think we've uh, given them enough airtime, but yeah, if you've got yeah. any... you spot anything that's ridiculously <laughs> stupid, please... Forward it on as a DM to to us at Celtic Down, yeah. On Twitter, want to want to want to laugh at them as much as possible, because who knows how long we've got them left for. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway we'll, um, uh, we'll wrap the that, podcast that's a, that's
1: up. A, that's enough talk about the BD rattlers for one day. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, before we do our final thoughts to wrap the podcast up, just everyone, thanks for tuning in. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Celtic Down Under Podcast. I said this early on, but please, we're trying to grow our subscriber count both for the podcast through your podcast app and on our YouTube channel. So if you're on YouTube, get subscribed, hit hit the like button, You know, hit notification bell as well, helps with the algorithms and all that and gets us out there to more Celtic fans. So trying to grow this channel as we go on Instagram and, and Twitter, you can find us at Celtic Down. Facebook, there's a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Join the group, like the page, you know all the stuff. Website is going to be offline shortly and will be relaunched in a month or two's time. So we'll let you know when that's up and about. Um, Yeah, final thought for me for the podcast is I just want to give a shout out to a few people. had some milestone birthdays over the last week. So first of all, I'll give a shout out to Tony Haggerty, who's on Axon and the Celtic Way, had his fiftieth birthday yesterday, or the day before. So happy fiftieth, Tony, top man, top guy. And there's some bloke who, you know, launched the Celtic Down Under podcast. He's talking absolute shit right now. Had his fortieth last week. So I'm an officially an old bastard. Hey, hey.
1: <laughs> I'm only eighteen months behind you, mate. So I'm going to stay quiet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh. So, final thought, Liam.
1: Right. Well, um, I'm going to close out my final thought with uh, something that I, I shared with you this afternoon, actually. Um, as you know, back in the UK, the, uh, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, who I uh, famously got as landed with an explicit content warning for bringing up on the last podcast, um, he left his position. Or rather, he said he's going to leave his position. He hasn't actually gone yet. So... There are, at the time of publication, probably less by the time a lot of people hear this, uh, eight contenders in line to be the next Prime Minister or the next leader of the British Conservative Party. So here's how I think they should choose their, uh, their new leader. Now, somebody sent this to me. I didn't write this myself, so credit to whoever it was that came up with this. One, stick them all on a plane to Rwanda gave each of them their own budget to pay for enough food and drink to cover themselves for a couple of months. Every time they cross a border, they have to justify how they are a high-skilled worker, and the first one to make it back to London gets to be Prime Minister.
0: When I saw that, I said it sounds like a combination of the Amazing Race and the Survivor, but <laughs> if we're going to do something similar to that, you know, hmm. it seems like a version of the Hunger Games as well.
1: Well, I'm reminded of... Uh, there was a there was a British comedian called Brian Conley who, if you watched British TV back in the nineties, you, you might remember. He was not, not especially funny, but he came up with one quote once that I thought was brilliant. And I think we can apply the same thing here, right? He said, Watching the London marathon is so boring. All these guys running about dressed as Bugs Bunny and whatever. He says, What they should do is every half an hour shoot the last six. It's that would make it more interesting. So, introduce a Hunger Games element to this Tory party leadership race as well, right? Every hour, the last one gets shot. <laughs> Just keep going.
0: <laughs> Got some comments, but you know, it'll get the channel taken down. So, we'll leave that go through. Uh, the we'll, we'll, and uh, we'll back to you, that. Joe Hart. Off you go. Through to the keeper. We'll uh, leave it there. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Hail, hail.
1: Hail, hail. Ho <laughs>